you to uh, turn with me in scripture to those verses we read um, in Jonah chapter 4. I think I'll just read that short section again, just from the beginning of chapter 4. It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased, became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's that's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Okay, so even a sort of um, cursory glance through a, a TV guide, it reveals that, that our channels, our TV channels, are sort of awash with interior design and uh, sort of these home makeover programs, aren't they? They're everywhere we look. Now, usually what happens in these home makeover programs is that the homeowner's sent away, then the experts come in. And then they do the, the, their stuff. And then the homeowner comes back. And there's that big sort of revelation, that big unveiling. And everyone's delighted and everyone's happy, right? But every now and again, things are different. Because every now and again, what happens is that the homeowner sent away. And the experts come in and they do their stuff. And then the homeowner comes back. And there's this big unveiling. And then, you know, the homeowner's face just drops and even if they don't say anything it's kind of etched upon their face you know they're thinking why this is disgusting you know what have these people done to to my home so not really the reaction that experts want instead what they get is an unexpected reaction what they get is uh, an immensely surprising reaction And really, when we pick up Jonah and we turn to the text that we're looking at tonight in a much, much more serious way, that's exactly what we find here, right? I mean, what you've got at the beginning of of Jonah chapter 4 is a surprising, in fact, it's an incredibly surprising reaction from Jonah, from the prophet of the Lord. See, what's in the background? What happened in chapter 3? What did we see a couple of weeks ago? Well, in chapter 3, the whole, remember it, the whole of the city of Nineveh has been saved. In chapter 3, a whole city has bowed in repentance before God. So you'd be thinking, you know, what what joy, what what delight for, for everyone concerned, wouldn't you? That's not what we've got. See, look what we see from Jonah. Nineveh's saved. And yet Jonah is furious. Nineveh is saved. The city is saved. And yet Jonah is absolutely raging. Let's look at these verses tonight. Let's notice a few things. In the first place, let's consider Jonah's prayer. 
Okay, Jonah's prayer. Now, obviously, to, to, to understand this section properly from verse 1 to 4, we've really got to try and get to grips with why it was that Jonah's angry, right? You know, we've got to try and wrestle with, with why he reacts in the way he does. And of course, we're going to do that just in a minute or two. We'll, we'll look at that and try and work out what, what's going on there. But before we do that, before we get to why Jonah's angry, I think there's something else that we've got to notice before we get there. Because there's something here that we might just fly over and pass over. Something, I think, that actually should lead us not to maybe be too harsh on Jonah, not to sort of write him off completely. Because, you see, for a, we've noticed that for a huge chunk of this book, as we've studied through it, that Jonah, remember this, Jonah was silent before God, wasn't he? There was these huge sections of the book of Jonah where there's just this sort of deafening prayerlessness. He runs away to Joppa, and then he goes away to Tarshish, and then there's this, there's this storm, and you're sort of reading it, and you're supposed to be thinking, come on man, pray, you know, get to your knees, call out to God. And he doesn't do it, and it's not until he's just about dead, you know, it's not till he's just about drowning in the ocean. Eventually, at long last, Jonah calls out to God. Well, I guess we would probably expect the same prayerless reaction here in chapter 4, wouldn't we? I mean, at chapter 1, he's at odds with God. And he doesn't pray. Then there's this reconciliation. But now in chapter 4, he's out of step with God again. So the, the, the fear is, isn't it, that, hang on, that, that we think that Jonah's going to sort of clam up, isn't he? Is the fear not that, given that he's so out of step with God again, that he's just going to run off again in the opposite direction? But look... He doesn't do it, does he? That's not what happens at all. Look look at the first words of verse 2, if your Bible's open. You see it, the first words of verse 2. And they should jump out of it at us. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He prayed. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. Because without question... Jonah's attitude in this section is way wrong. You know, this resentment of God and this anger that he's got here, I mean, it's without question, it's wrong, it's sinful. But still, do you see it? Despite that, what we find is that in the, the depths of his confusion, if you like, or the depths of the, the anger that he's got here, there's still an act of faith. He's still praise and last week um, I, was, I said this morning you know, last week I was at this in service training at the at, at the free church and uh, as part of it it's a schoolboy error that if ever there was one <laughs> but as part of the, the in service training at the free church and we were sort of talking about informally how what is shown in film 
and how what's shown on TV really then kind of affects the behaviour of society, even if we don't think too much about it. And you see, that happens when it comes to arguments and when it comes to people standing in opposition to each other. I mean, think about it. We're watching a Hollywood blockbuster and, and, and we, we see the two main characters and they're arguing and they're in dispute and they're in opposition to each other. And, and what do we, what do they say? You know, they say, you know, I, I, I can't be near you just now. I, I, I just can't speak to you just now. And we think that that is how we should behave in similar circumstances. But what we see here in Jonah chapter 4 is that that is how we must not behave in our relationship with God. You know, if, if we find ourselves in opposition to God, if we find ourselves sort of opposing God's purposes in our lives, you know, if we're, we're, we're angry about things, then we can't sort of say, God, I, I don't want to be in your presence anymore. God, I, I don't want to be near you. I don't want to, to see you just now. Even if we're confused, even if we're frustrated with what God is doing in our lives, there's got to be that continuing communication. We still have to pray. So if that's the case, um, maybe for you tonight, I don't know, maybe if there's a sense of confusion about what God is doing and and the purposes of of God in your life just now, I, I would urge you this evening, this is the crux of the matter, persevere in prayer. If there's confusion, if there's, if you're verging on bitterness because of what God is doing, persevere in prayer. Pray. Perhaps what you should do is go to scripture. You know, go to the, the portions of, of scripture where we see the people of God really confused about what God is doing. Go to those prayers and make those prayers your own. Like go to Jeremiah the prophet. Go read Jeremiah chapter 12 when effectively you've got this great man of faith and he's calling out to God and he's saying, why God? I mean, why are you doing these things? You know, he says, well, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the faithless live at ease? Go to those types of chapters, those prayers, and make those prayers your own. Whatever you do, if you're confused or if you're angry, whatever you do, pray. Because what we see with Jonah is though, yeah, right enough, his his attitude is wrong. But at least the man continued to act in faith. Jonah prayed. He prayed. Okay. So Jonah's prayer is the first thing. The second thing we we have to think about this evening is, is Jonah's problem. Okay, Jonah's problem. And here um, we get to the crux of the matter, I think, because it's here that we we get to what it was that was making Jonah so angry, okay? This is the, the, the crux of the matter. What was making Jonah so mad? Well, well surely it's true that, that generally speaking, I think that uh, we are a people who like 
a good unsolved mystery, don't we? Um, we certainly like crime novels and, and uh, crime TV programs. We're fascinated even by the sort of real life stuff, you know, when there's a sort of a crime that was committed years ago that remains unsolved. It fascinates us. Well, in chapter one, right at the start of the book, Jonah has committed a crime, hasn't he? There's this, there's this crime, the sin of ignoring God and ignoring the commission and, and, and running off to Tarshish. Well, for pretty much the whole of the rest of the book, that's remained a kind of unsolved crime, isn't it? I mean, when we look to the first chapter, we can speculate at why Jonah ran off. We could sort of guess as to why he, why he fled away to Tarshish, but we weren't 100% sure. And it's not until the last chapter. It's not until these verses that we read together that that sort of mystery it unravels and we find out why Jonah ran away, why he committed this crime. So look at verse 2. We're told that Jonah fled in the first place to Tarshish because he assumed that God would save Nineveh. He ran away, went off to Joppa because he assumed that God would look favorably upon the city, that God wouldn't pour his wrath out on them. He assumed that, so he fled. And like that, because it's, an, um, it's enlightening, it's kind of, you know, mystery solved in some respects. It helps us to understand what was going through Jonah's mind. But at the same time, do you not find it's a bit unsatisfactory for us? You know, it's, it doesn't really help to explain what, what was making Jonah angry. I mean, you know, he's assumed all along that God would forgive the people of Nineveh. But that's, that's not exactly reason for the rage and fury. And we, we, we know why he's run away and we know why he's gone to Joppa. But are we not, are we not still asking, why is this man raging and angry at the salvation of thousands and thousands of people? Why is he still angry about it? Well, to, to answer that, we've really got to pay attention to, to the manner in which Jonah speaks to God here. I don't know if, if you noticed it when, when Paul was reading through it, but the way that Jonah speaks to God, he uses very, very familiar language. Okay, language that's used uh, frequently uh, throughout the Bible. Because he says this, and this should, I'm sure, will ring bells. You've heard this before. He speaks to God and he addresses God like this. He says, you are a gracious and, and, and compassionate God. You're slow to anger, abounding in love. So you've, you've heard those words before, those phrases, haven't you? Because we, we hear them in Joel, we hear them in Exodus, we hear them all over the Bible, various, various places. But I think what is important to note is one specific term in that sort of statement of praise that you've got here. And it's, 
really that word love. You know, that word love that, that Jonah uses, it could be translated a steadfast love. It could be translated, follow me here, it could be translated covenantal love. You see, it's, it's, it's the term that is very often used of the love that God has for his covenant people. So you're beginning to see where we're going with this. Do you see what's going on here? Jonah's angry. Jonah's absolutely raging here. Because God is extending his steadfast love to foreigners. That's what's going on. Jonah's angry because God is showing grace to to, to people who are not the people of Israel. He's pouring out not wrath. The mercy on the people who were traditional enemies of the, the people of Israel. He sees these folk as being undeserving of the treatment that God is giving them. So I ask you, does that sort of, does that attitude, does it, does it sound familiar? Are there other places in the Bible where we see that sort of thing happening? Well, what about Here's one. What about the story of the prodigal son? Everyone here, I'm sure, has perhaps at least heard of the prodigal son. You know, the, the story where this, this man squanders his inheritance, doesn't he? And he ends up feeding pigs before he comes back. And is accepted by his father. You know that story. I'm sure you've heard it. Even if it was way back in Sunday school or whatever. But do you remember in that story. the? Do you remember the attitude of the elder brother. And the prodigal son. Do you remember his attitude. You know his younger brother comes back. And his father shows the younger brother mercy. And the elder brother is, he's raging. He is, he is upset. Luke 15 tells us that in the face of the father's mercy, the older brother became angry. So angry that he refused to go back in. And you see, that is exactly the same sort of attitude, the same sort of thing that we're dealing with here in Jonah chapter 4. Jonah, just like the elder brother, he's angry. He's angry that God would dare show love, dare show favor, dare show grace to these undeserving wretches in Nineveh. And he's, he's so mad about this. He's so furious about God's favor upon these people that Jonah's willing to die. On account of it. So let me ask you. How do you read that? You know when you're trying to apply these verses to your own life. How do you read it? Do you sort of read this and think. Jonah's attitude man. It it stinks. I would never have an attitude like this. Is that what you're thinking? You think I would never have an attitude An attitude of anger to the salvation of people's souls. That's not me. This is beneath me. 
If you're thinking that, hold that thought. Is that really true? See, just a couple of days ago, I was having a conversation um, with a few ministers and they were talking about the work that God is doing, the miracles that God's performing in the country of Italy. And they were saying that, you know, churches are growing there. Denominations are growing. And you're, you're seeing certain thousands of people involved in, in churches in Italy. i tell you this. I had to check myself. Because it would be very, very easy in that situation to think, Lord, that's not fair. Lord, why in a country like that? Why in a country that's been so sort of antagonistic over the centuries to the gospel? Why are you working there? You're not working in this country to the same extent. You see it? It could be really, really easy for bitterness to creep in. You want another example? Take the example of your own families. You see, we could look around and we could see God save a member of someone else's family. Let's say a family that is not as godly and as holy as our own. And again, anger. And again, sort of bitterness could creep in. God, why are you doing that? Why are you saving that person? Why are you not saving the person that I've been praying for year after year after year? Bitterness. Easy for bitterness to creep in. What about one other example? What about our family in this church here? You see, we could see people in LCPC, people who are apparently favored by God, people who are blessed by God, people who we look at their lives and the evidence seems to be rosy, you know, people, and it just seems their lives seem to be just ticking on great where hours are falling apart we've got all these problems and again we could be angry at God because of that God why is it so easy for these Christians why are you letting such terrible things happen to me easy for bitterness to creep in you see we shouldn't be reading Jonah here and be thinking This anger, that would never be a part of my experience. I could never have that bitterness. We should see when we read Jonah chapter 4, and it's a terrible thing, but we should see the very, that because of the very nature of sin, because of the very scope and scale of sin, that the seeds of that type of bitterness at God's grace, those seeds, they lie in the pit of our hearts too. So we see that Jonah prayed, but there's a problem here. We see Jonah's problem. And let's finish with just a word on a third thing. The prayer the problem and Jonah's parallel Jonah's parallel and here just as we close 
Let's have a question at the back of our minds, okay? Just as we come into land in this sermon, have a question at the back of your minds. How do we avoid this sort of bitterness and anger at God's grace? How do we avoid it? And when we see that it can be a part of our own experience, if we're honest, that we can become bitter at God's favour on others, how do we avoid it? Now, when I was a kid, probably about sort of seven or eight years old, I used to love what were called mirrored puzzles. I don't know if any of you know what a mirrored puzzle is. I used to love these things as a kid. Um, They were the sort of thing where you would have a a, a sheet of paper and it would just, on the sheet of paper, it would just look like a mess. There would just be scribbles all over the sheet of paper. And it wasn't until you sort of put a mirror down about halfway into the page and you sort of looked into the reflection of the mirror that you would see what the picture was supposed to be. I love these things as a kid. Mirrored puzzles. Well, in some ways, that is what we have got in the book of Jonah. Because you remember we noticed a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, that the second part of the book of Jonah mirrors much of what happens in the first part. Do you remember we talked about that? That in the second half of the book of Jonah, there are loads and loads of parallels with the first half. I think, I, I can't remember really the, the example we looked at, but I think it was the, the example that, that there's this build-up, a crescendo to the salvation of the pagan sailors, and in the second half, there's this build-up, this crescendo to the, the salvation of the pagan city. Lots of parallels. Well, here, in chapter 4, we are supposed to understand the same thing. See, when we read Jonah chapter 4, we're supposed to read these verses in light of the parallel passage in the first half of the book. Do you see it? So what what, what happened there in in the parallel passage? Well, what happened there was that the pagan sailors were saved... Then there was this problem for Jonah. And then what happened? He prayed. And here, what have we got? Here we've got the pagan city saved. Then there's the problem for Jonah. And now what have we got? He prays. So what the writer is doing here is he is sending us back so that we interpret this angry prayer of Jonah's in chapter 4 in light of the prayer that Jonah has offered in chapter 2 in the belly of this fish. You see? Now what happens when we do that? What happens when we, we see that in light of its parallel? Well, of course, when we do that, we see the, 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 the cob smacking the staggering hypocrisy of Jonah. Don't we? You see, God asks in verse 4 here, have you got any right to be angry here, Jonah? And of course he doesn't. I mean, think about how dare Jonah be bitter and angry about the deliverance 
of Nineveh when, come on, just a second ago, just a moment ago, Jonah himself had experienced undeserved deliverance from God in the belly of the fish. Do you see it? It's just staggering. It's almost sort of blind hypocrisy from Jonah here. So what about it then? What about the question that we're supposed to have in the back of our minds? Let's try and answer it. How do we avoid bitterness and anger at God's grace to other people? Well, what should Jonah have done? Well, as the author sends us back to chapter 2, so should Jonah have been looking back upon the deliverance that he's received at God's hand. He should have seen God's grace to other people in light of the undeserved salvation that he himself had received. So it's kind of obvious, isn't it? How do we avoid being angry at God's grace to others? We look back at the cross of Christ. How do you avoid being bitter with your fellow Christians? Bitter with what God is doing? You always have in your field of vision the deliverance at Calvary. That is the key. Folks, When we read Jonah, what we see is that the sin, the sin of man, even regenerate man, it is remarkable in its depth that we could be bitter about the salvation of other people's souls. It's staggering. We should never be angry at that. Instead, Surely our response is just wonder and it is bewilderment that such as man sin that God saves anyone at all. There's mystery. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mystery there. Let's pray.